You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 464, the big quiz proving sport and music don't mix, the decline and fall of Q magazine, and women musicians who give it all up. That's all coming up after Star Sailor and Four to the Floor. from which this single is taken was co-produced by Phil Spector and the quote from the band about this experience is rather inevitable mm. Spector proved difficult to work with <laughs> <laughs> from the nevertheless 
excellent album silence is easy a single that reached number 24 in the uk in 2004 star sailor and four to the floor i agree that's a lovely album great production as well like you say somewhat inevitable the quote about phil Spector, but um silence is easy the um the track i love as well i love the kind of the the like you say the sort of the, the pounding four to the floor kind of drums of of, of, of all of the tunes i think i think that's a, a, a an underrated record i must admit Hello and thank you for joining us for the Parish Council podcast. It's episode 464. I'm Terence Dacken and she hasn't succumbed to any Russian interference. It's Juliet Harris. Hello. Yes, indeed. I am. Um, I, I I haven't quite made it on the radar of Putin and Co. at the moment. I, I suspect that. Well, who knows? Unless they really do want to infiltrate the world of C86 Indy, which I have been enjoying this week. Um, perhaps the horse has bolted on that. So anyway, well, I, I hear Putin is a big fan of um, big anoraks and staring at shoes. <laughs> yes indeed i i i you know that they, they who, who i can't believe you found the hitherto unexplored crossover between <laughs> the world of russ and espionage and c86 <laughs> everything's connected it turns out you're the you're the great modern thinker of your age terence <laughs> um we begin um with a quiz with a musical sporting theme this week i'm going to test your knowledge versus that of juliet with clips from five records made by sports stars oh gosh wow this is this is a new thing i like this yeah they are pretty much all universally dire maybe one (laughs) exception right okay so you will all need to steal yourselves um if by any chance you happen to be a famous sporting hero and you're considering making a pop record here are five reasons why you should reconsider (laughs) um Huge clue. Now, it's all sports related, but I'm going to give you big clues here. Thank you. Five um, clips. Three are Wimbledon tennis champions and two are former England football managers. And they go like this. Tennis player, football manager, tennis player, football manager, tennis player. Tennis, football, tennis, football, tennis. Exactly. Yeah. Now, the first one um, playing with his band live a rather decent cover of David Bowie, to be fair. Um, uh, here we go. Anyway, five sporting superstars making terrible records. Uh, one point for each sporting hero identified. Thank you. Sign, but the line doesn't end. Wake me up tomorrow, let's do it again. Oh. 
That is the worst, isn't it, by a, a long margin? Uh, yes. Um, so, so yes, uh, three Wimbledon um, tennis champions, two former England football managers, both of whom are former England players as well. I think the first one is the hardest, actually. Okay, I'm, the first one is a bit of a guess, but only because I know that he does, he has played yes. in bands, I think. You're on I'm, the right lines. I'm going to guess at Pat Cash. No, 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 no. Okay. Honestly, Juliet, you cannot be serious. Ah, oh, it's McEnroe then, isn't it? Yeah. It's John McEnroe. Going to give you half a point for that. Not, not a bad guitarist. No. Um, perhaps not the greatest singer. Suffragette City was his first choice when he appeared on um, BBC's Desert Island Discs. Okay. And uh, I didn't know this. He played guitar on Chrisley Hines' solo album Stockholm a couple of years ago. I think I did know that actually. I, uh, weirdly, I, I don't know why, but but I, well, actually, I do know why because I I. Well, I don't know if I'm speaking out of term here, but you know that some people that write books have a little bit of assistance. Not Some have more than others, but there are people that have a bit of assistance. Well, I know somebody who occasionally gives Chrissy Hind a bit of an assistance with, with, with some things. So I think I might have known that through this person. But anyway, um, yeah, th- I, I thought that was all right, actually, that, that tune. I thought it was, well, admittedly, it was... It was it was a good tune rather than, you know, rather than some made up Drex. So so I think that that was all right, actually. That was well, I'm falling, falling head <laughs> over heels in love. Who was uh, that? Your version was better than his. I can tell you that much. That's Kevin Keegan. Kevin Keegan. Head over heels in love. Written by Chris Norman of Smokey. It reached astonishingly number 31 on the UK singles chart in 1979. I put it in the same box as the floral dance by Terry yes, Wilson in yes. terms of inexplicably quite successful novelty hits by famous people. So I'd won a woman Wimbledon's champion. Was it Serena Williams? It was Serena. Uh, it might be unfair if I say she's making a racket. Hey. See what I did there? Nice. Um, yeah. Unnamed rap yet to be officially released, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> I was going to say that's perhaps wise. Um, the football manager, I think, is Terry Venables. It's Terry Venables overreaching himself, covering Elvis Presley with the Royal Philharmonic <laughs> Orchestra, no, no less. That's hilarious, isn't it? It's uh, when when there isn't a, anyone around you to say no to you. I think is an yeah. example of that, isn't it? Fifty p on Discogs. I looked it up this week. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, autograph. Ooh, ooh. Ooh. Well, I, I, the voice, I think, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know for sure, but I don't think that can be anyone other than Andy Murray. He's got two Wimbledon titles, the US Open and an Olympic gold medal. But rap. No, drop the mic, please, uh, Andy. I, 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 I found him to be a more likable figure in recent years, actually, yeah. mostly because of my, I think my favourite ever Andy Murray public appearance was when I think he'd won. I don't think he won the whole thing, but he won something at one year at British Sports and Personality of the Year. And he was away. And so they did it via video link. And he said, you know, oh, this this is great. I know that no one ever thinks I mean it because I've got this really monotone voice. But I, <laughs> I promise that I thought, oh, that's that's nice. I like that. And I think now that he's more um, 
at one with who he is, I think, and can kind of mock his slightly sort of occasionally doer seeming sort of public persona. I, I like him, actually, and I, I, I think he's a fantastic player. It's been lovely to watch some of the old Wimbledon footage they've been re-showing over the past few weeks. That I remember watching the match with Gasquet at the time in 2008, and he really is some player, and I'm I'm sorry for his hip problems and, and the fact that he perhaps not realistically is going to function at the same level anymore and it's it's a pity because I think he's achieved great things and actually I, I quite like I've, I've grown to like his slightly sort of curmudgeonly public persona because I think that there is a bit of a twinkle to it so uh, so yeah I don't want any more rap records by him please though. I wake up every day and I do it again <laughs> um, four and a half out of five for you there are sterling I'm, performance I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not unhappy with that thank no. you very much uh, there's a section now um, with three bonus questions that I continue to call three bonus questions. Don't mess with the winning formula. Absolutely. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. All of them are multiple choice. Oh, OK. That's very good. helpful. So to I've, you, got, yes. I've got a one in three or four, depending on the format chance. So exactly. I don't mind those odds. We heard Suffragette City originally, of course, to be found on David Bowie's the Rise and Fall of Ziggy, Sard, Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. The album was released on June the 16th. But in which year? Multiple choice. Oh, wow. Ziggy Stardust, was it released in June of 1970, 1972, 1974, 1976? Oh, wow. There are going to be loads of our listeners are very knowledgeable about this sort of thing. I think there are going to be lots of people shouting at the at the speaker or whatever it is they're to right now. Oh, man, I'm going to say 1972. You're correct. Hooray! 1972 in June. Ziggy Stardust. Well done, Juliet. Just well giving done. you another tick there to add to your four and a half collection. Question number two. Mm. We heard Kevin Keegan singing a song written by Chris Norman of Smokey. <gasps> Way before you were born. <laughs> Man. Okay. There we go again. How many UK multiple choice? Remember how many UK top forty single hits were achieved by Smokey? Was it three, thirteen, twenty-three, or thirty-three? Well, I mean the only Smokey tune. I mean, I didn't realise that Smoke that he'd written that Kevin Keegan tune. The only Smokey tune that I that I genuinely know is "Living Next Door to Alice." Oh, I don't know nice. anything else. Um, I think it's at the lower end. I'm going to say 13. Uh, yet again, you hit the jackpot. Oh, thank you. I, I, I mean, if you'd asked me to pick a number out of the air, I wouldn't have got that. So that this. Would be two. I was amazed it was that many. Yes, I could I'll only have. remember "Living Next Door to Alice," and then when I looked them up and counted them, um, there were one or two I vaguely remembered, which of course I've since forgotten since I looked at them yesterday. But, um, <laughs> well, clearly the sign of a great band, but but yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I I suspected there would be one of those bands who had more hits than you would have thought, but I didn't think they went on for long enough to make the higher the higher numbers realistic. Let us see if you can compare favourably to Sir Jeff Hurst in the 1966 <laughs> World Cup final and score a hat-trick. <laughs> I suspect not, but but bless you for putting us in the same bracket. <laughs> anybody will put me in the same sentence as Jeff Hurst, I think. We heard Terry Venables destroying Elvis's <laughs> If I Could Dream. I, I, I don't feel quite as negative about this as you do, but anyway, carry on. Um, I'm going to tell you four things about Elvis. Right. Three are true. One is false. Which one is untrue out of these four? Mm -hmm. Elvis was one of twins. 
Elvis recorded over 600 songs, but didn't write any of them. Elvis's only concert in Europe ever was at Earl's, Earl's Court in 1959. And finally, Elvis's daughter, Lisa Marie, married Michael Jackson and Nicolas Cage. So one of twins recorded over 600 songs, didn't write any of them. Only concert in Europe, Earl's Court 59. And Lisa Marie married Michael Jackson and Nicolas Cage. Three I, of those are true. I think the one that is false, I don't think Elvis ever played a concert in Britain. I think the only place in Britain that Elvis ever visited was somewhere in Scotland. I, part of me thinks Prestwick, but I could be wrong. So I think the answer is he didn't play at Earl's Court. They think it's all over. It is now. Yes. She's got a hat trick. Yes. It's a win for Juliet. Thank you very much. Weirdly, I am wearing a football shirt to do this podcast in my beloved Queen's Park Rangers, not 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 the England, the England crew. But anyway, maybe that maybe that maybe it's the shirt what won it. Who knows? But yes, how interesting that Elvis never played in Britain, though. No, he never played outside of North America at all. He played three dates in Canada in the early days um, and the rest of his uh, live performances were all in the United States, never appeared outside. The reason being given, I mean, it's, it's speculative, mm. is that um, Colonel Tom Parker, there were three things wrong with his name. He wasn't a colonel. His name wasn't Tom and his name wasn't Parker. Yeah. He um, was an illegal immigrant into the United oh, States wow. and he feared that if he went abroad with Elvis, they'd never let him back in. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, how how selfish on one level, although I do exactly. I do understand. But um, no, is, isn't that strange that he was a world and it just goes yeah, absolutely. Sort of the, the, the conversations that we have about the dependence of the live music industry well the dependence of the music industry on people playing live and how bands only make money from touring now not by record sales mm. it, it just goes to show that the reverse used to be true because Elvis was a worldwide star that sold records all over the world without ever actually having to go there to promote them it was it was yeah. you know it was all it was all done through the air war of of of, of music press which which we'll speak about more later and and mm. simply just humping records you know selling selling them you know shifting units that's where it was and you were right by the way of course he did um touch down briefly in scotland for about an hour um when he was returning from national service which was in uh, germany and uh, he did his national service over there and on his way back to the states briefly touched down on uh, United Kingdom oh. soil uh, for the briefest of, of periods. And that was the only time he ever, ever uh, felt the earth of God's own Great Britain. <laughs> <laughs> Rule Britannia. Um, say, we'd, we'd have looked after Elvis. Yeah. We were really into yeah. him. It would, have been, it would have worked. I think it would have been a happy event for everyone. Lisa Marie actually has been married four times and oddly so has Nicolas Cage. Uh, one of those for each of their four was to each other as, as you obviously spotted. But someone tweeted the other day surely next week on the rotor it's my turn to marry <laughs> Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Coming up the ongoing decline of music magazines as Q magazine closes. That's right after Sonic Youth.
based in what I'm calling the great CD sort 2020, in which I having, you know, exhausted other avenues, I'm now at the stage where I'm having, looking at my wrecked shelves. And this is really because I've been having sort of Zoom meetings recently. Uh, the And everyone has commented on my CDs falling down on the shelves opposite me and not being very well ordered. So I'm so I'm trying to put everything back in cases. I know this is probably bringing you out in a sweat because you're it very really tidy. Yeah. And, and so putting everything in order and alphabetical and all that sort of thing. The result of which I'm uh, I'm taking that as an opportunity to put all the CDs into my laptop at the same time so that I then have it on the cloud as well so I can also listen on my phone thanks to that fruit-based company that do that sort of thing and I came across this on one of those weird uh, the, the things that you used to buy in in service stations that you can now find in petrol stations or supermarkets particularly where you pay 5.99 and you get a hundred of the most classic rock songs ever on five different cds and the thing that's so interesting about these compilations nowadays is they start off with all the big hitters like you know the things you expect to hear like kiss and rainbow and stuff like that and by cd5 you get the impression they're kind of trying to bring things up to date at the same time as scratching around very slightly and weirdly this this compilation that was otherwise entirely what you'd expect had incinerate by sonic youth from their album <laughs> rather ripped it wasn't even you know sort of one of their their glory days kind of you know goo or, or or dirty or anything like that it was it was from a later period album and i i so i heard it and i, and I saw it and thought oh, i hadn't heard that for a while and i i love it i, I think it's so beautifully done people often think of sonic youth as being these kind of sort of slightly grungy a little bit screamy noise merchants at times and actually i thought this was a very good grown-up rock song i really enjoyed it so from the album rather ripped which i think came out in 2006 ish it was it was late late noughties i think that is incinerate by sonic youth Generally, they're far more successful successful in the UK than in America, despite originating in New York. I've always been f- very fond of one of their early singles in which they covered Madonna's Into the Groove. Yes, it's Ciccone Youth, wasn't Ciccone it? Ciccone Youth, yeah, r- really good fun. Going by Kim Gordon's autobiography, the chances of them ever reuniting are... Very slim, I would very say. Very much, I think, mostly mm, the divorce between her and Thursmore. Having said that, though, I can recommend Kim Gordon's solo stuff that she's released. Mm. All I girl think, band, isn't it? All yes, woman band. it is. Mm. And I think, if I remember correctly, I might, if I haven't and I meant to, I might have picked Airbnb by her for the podcast recently. Mm. I can't remember if I did previously, but um, that's a that's a great song. It's, it's it's they were playing it on Six Music as part of their sort of A list playlist, which is hilarious considering that most of it is really quite messy noise with her shouting airbnb over the top but um no i i enjoy her solos and that book's very good as well that kim gordon book girl in a band i think it's called isn't it i can't remember yeah, I, like I, I don't remember what i read yesterday never mind the title of it <laughs> say, yes sir. who are you yeah absolutely mm. but um, i'm just looking it up now so that we can provide these service that our listeners if haven't cut if they haven't come to realistically expect they are at least still hoping for but uh, so the kim gordon book we did actually read it for my but yeah it is girl in a band i uh, thought that one we read several by women on the spin so i started to forget who was called what <laughs> viv albertine as well but um but yeah a, a big big fan of sonic youth generally they're a bit for me like radiohead i was saying this to someone yesterday in that they did some really weird arty out there albums i mean rather ripped is an interesting album that it is really a, a return to kind of straight ahead rock stuff for sonic youth because before that 
late 90s early noughties they were doing albums like NYC Ghosts and the Flowers that were you know had some sort of almost slightly out there jazz interpretation on them it was it was very avant-garde for a few years but like Radiohead I've stuck with them throughout so I don't really mind what they do I always kind of like the direction that they go in regardless of of how strange that is so so yes like you I'm a huge fan of Sonic Youth. Mm. Now you and I have been undertaking this podcast business for many years now and in, <laughs> Too many to more than you'd wish to yes indeed um and in that time we've discussed the closure of uh, music publications in particular i remember we chatted about the end of the new music express as a printed yes, paper yes. well life changes of course and you know, perhaps controversially controversially increasingly i feel those railing against and bemoaning change are rather like horse and carriage owners rebelling against the invention of the motor car or Kodak trying to ban digital photography. Yet there was, you know, sort of King Canute kind of business, but there was something particularly saddening about the announcement of the closure of Q magazine this week after 34 years. And I say that as someone who bought the first issue and read it regularly for its first 10 years or so. And that fact, I think, is at the heart of its decline. Not that I stopped reading it after 10 years, but I think... Exactly. Once you left, Terence, it was... Yeah, I know. I feel terrible about it. But no, I think I was mirroring um, behaviour of my generation. For a while, it was incredibly popular, giving adult and considered insights into artists like Paul McCartney, David Bowie, um, the other publications like the NME were then ignoring. And Q, it had humour, dry wit, and artists were willing in those days to be far more revealing Agreed, than yeah. they are today. Yeah. Um, then the men in suits in the boardroom decided it needed to change direction, even though it sold 200,000 copies each month. <gasps> It was decided, absolutely inexplicable, this it decided to hand over the management of the magazine to its fledged, fledgling radio division. And in doing so, EMAP essentially sent it over the cliff in slow motion. Now, after a massive slump in circulation down to about uh, just under 20 percent of, of its height, um, it's it's to close. So, Jules, another one bites the dust and, and probably more media titles to follow. Well, yes, that's quite possible, isn't it? It's interesting what you say about about Q and how it was how it was sort of set up, because I used to read it a lot when I was a teenager and I really enjoyed it and I learned a lot from it. And I remember demonstrating the, the difference between me and my best friend at school and she said, you know, I don't understand how you can read that because because this was we were growing up in the age where there were loads of different magazines to read. So of mm, course we both read The Enemy and we both read Melody Maker. I think she occasionally used to read Sounds. I never quite got into that, but she, I remember her saying, "Oh, honestly, why would you want to read that? It's all album reviews." And I went, "Well, that's the best bit, you know. That's the that's the greatest thing to kind." Of, and I loved the cash for questions where they they used to get readers to write in, and John Lydon would be unpleasant to people. I just I just and their cover mount CDs were always quite good and I genuinely learned a lot from Q because like you say it had that kind of heritage angle and I was learning about a lot of records that I otherwise didn't didn't really know about so firstly I think before we say anything else I my sympathies to all of the staff at Q that absolutely lost their jobs what a terrible time uh, and like you say likely this isn't likely to be the end of it if if you see what I mean so so I am sorry I have a friend fun enough who who I know through some work I do on a local paper who is a designer and she said that she used to do quite a lot of work there and that it was an exceptionally nice team of mm. people 
she is very sad. So I am I am really sad to everybody's lost their jobs. I hope they can sort something else out. You know that that is that is sort of awful. But I think you're right in that in that. So so the music press that we have now is is quite you could divide it into two it's either heritage titles or it's stuff that's very niche i've just recently subscribed to loud and quiet magazine which which comes comes through the door and that's a little bit more homemade but that is quite niche and it is really interesting and and they seem to have found a way sort of around around the circumstances the problem with the cube for me because i stopped reading it in the end mm-hmm. it was interesting what you say about handing over to the radio division i didn't know that but it explains quite a lot because to me it stopped knowing what it wanted to be and in very recent times i know that the the, the kind of the existing editors in recent times have tried really hard to kind of get it yeah. going again by looking at more sort of new music but that's never what q was meant to be about q was unashamed and, and like you say very wise when it initially set up they'd realized that cd at the time was the grand new thing and and that people were rebuying their music collections on cd and so there was a market there which was incredibly I, I do think Hepworth and Ellen are incredibly shrewd in, in seeing gaps in markets and, and and finding sort of the magazine to serve that audience I think they're really good at that and this is yet another example but it stopped knowing what it wanted to be and of course then the problem is is that its main competitors now are Mojo and Uncut they are both excellent magazines that I really enjoy reading um, and Mojo I hate to say this and again this is not a snark at any of the poor staffers from Q that have lost their job but to me Mojo was better at getting a, getting a mix between heritage and and new acts the Mojo filter kind of section now, lots of people have been talking about sort of Q and about this would have said that their cover CDs and their their downloads recommendations are genuinely really impressive at the scope that they cover and is actually one of the main ways that I consume new music now and the same with Uncut their their monthly kind of compilation CDs are also fantastic and the problem is is that in the olden days you could probably afford to buy two or three magazines you know they, they weren't as expensive now of course falling advertising rising production costs that all that sort of thing makes them much more expensive and of course you know as much as, as there is a nostalgia around Around music magazines if you read them when you were younger if you're walking into a shop wh smith wherever news agent and or a supermarket and and you see you see the magazines long so if they are five pound a throw i can't necessarily afford to scoop up three or four and and, and take them with mm. me and and because q have become very muddled in its kind of identity that has some good writing in it still people like laura snakes were, were doing good features and 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 you know it was interesting but I, if you can't decide what you are and what you used to be, there are other magazines doing that better, which I'm afraid Mojo and Uncut, I felt, were at that point. Then we're in this market of ever-diminishing returns where where you, you just, uh, well, that unfortunately what happened was in trying to be all things to all people, they laid in the middle of the road and they got run over. And I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. I mean, obviously... We talked recently, actually, I think, about music magazines. I talked about downloading things on my iPad during during lockdown through Pocket Mags, mags and that sort of thing. And I do. Mm. What next time I go out, which I'm trying not to do, but next time <laughs> I am, next time I'm around in a, in a in a place of commerce, I will definitely try and buy Mojo and Uncut because I do want to try and keep them because I think there is a space for them 
it's just that the as you say the market is ever sort of decreasing and and we we've gone from a time when the music press was everywhere where there was room for everything in the music press to the time where the music press is now so niche that there is so much competition in a time when when in previously everyone could have coexisted alongside each other and that's not the case now I think it's very telling that Q Magazine, which actually put up for sale by Bauer Media Group, they bought it off EMAP. Um, Bauer put it up for sale this year and no buyer came forward, Um, as well as terrible managerial decisions, which we mentioned. And and, uh, to take up what you said, paid advertising, of course, has dropped through the floor for these type of magazines. Um, Much of their income was from uh, record companies uh, letting readers know about the new release from so-and-so and and also uh, many pages devoted to tour uh, schedules for artists. And, uh, of course, uh, COVID-19 has added a new layer of uncertainty to that. But even so, most bands now have a very direct social media link or website link to their fans. And uh, that's how people find out about new releases and um, tours if and when they take place. Uh, of course, it's, cl- it's glory days were pre-internet when um, even when you were a teenager buying it, really, it was very early days of the Internet. So um, Heritage Acts had no other way. Uh, funny, we were talking, you know, we were calling Paul McCartney and David Bowie Heritage Acts in the late 80s, early 90s. But there we are. And they're still here now. Um, still, still uh, not David Bowie, of course. Um, but, but recently they were still releasing. Absolutely. No other way to reach audiences, although it was they had no other way to, to reach uh, the fans. And although it was a monthly news, including music news, travelled very slowly back mm. in the 80s and early 90s now an interview given in say uh june for a monthly stamped as a september issue mm. would be stale and thoroughly pointless so really I think, point i think i hadn't thought of that and that's spot on and I, I think sort of finally i think magazines particularly and i'll call them action ones like sport and pop music i would call them action magazines because yes, it's a good description yeah they don't work at all well in a digital format you you need the excitement of color photos on shiny paper yes agreed. and an ability to flick easily to a feature you want to read the flat screen of digital doesn't give you that it's not a, a tactile experience i remember when the word magazine was uh, um finished publication indeed similar to and i remember loads of people contacting um mark ellen and, and david hepworth at the time saying oh why don't you go digital why don't you just because the reason is it doesn't work mm. and um q is another music publication we've seen close and i don't think it will be the last and that goes for other journals and newspapers too but q was once special and i'm i'm sad it's gone yeah and and agreed i mean i i enjoyed it very much when I when when I you know when I was reading it regularly as a sort of a teenager that was learning about music for that it was really good I think and 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 talking about the sort of the heritage sort of industry yes it is occasionally tedious when you think oh who's on the front cover of Mojo and Uncut oh it's Bob Dylan again and that is that is a bit tedious but having said that it really serves a purpose 
for younger people that are interested in music that are, you know the the rock as my friend used to put it ah oh, i'll meet you in a minute i've just got to go to the section of magazines in smith's called rock nerd to pick up my <laughs> reading and i think but for you know rock nerds are young once so i so i think for all of us sort of baby rock nerves not nerds uh, things like key were really useful so so i think that it's easy to sneer at heritage music magazines but they do still serve a purpose for younger slightly nerdy people of which i was very much one who who do like reading magazines uh, but this this statistic is astonishing you said that it that it reached a peak of 200,000 in 2001 so i i would have been reading it 96 or 7 i've st- i found the mercury music prize 97 nominees cd from q the other day or 98 i think it was so so i was reading it then so i would have been reading it uh, you know until uh, well i think i still bought it at university so around that sort of the era the circulation had fallen from 200,000 to 28,000 a month yeah, and that's go, never going to be sustainable yeah. is it it's, but it but it's just like you say it's a real shame and i am I, I know that things change and things move in cycles, but I, I am sorry for the, for the staff now, but also for what we're losing, because in its day, it was great. Yeah, absolutely. Coming up, women giving up a music career to have a family. But is it a gender issue? Mm. That's right after Embrace. I tried to fight the feeling, the feeling took me down. I struggled and I lost the day you knocked me out. Now everything's got meaning, the meanings bring me down I'm watching as a screaming if my life plays out Every day I fight these feelings Basic, I will hide the real thing You can run all your life, all mine I will share Stop a feeling growing, I will stay away Like a broken record stuck before a song A million beginnings, none of them the one Every day I fight these feelings Basic, I will hide the real thing You can run all your life, all mine, I will share
there's not a single second wasted on that track. Uh, an outstanding use of four minutes by any measure. Um, more or less unknown outside of the UK, where they've had 16 successive top 40 singles this is their highest chart position to date from 2006 and reaching number two in the uk embrace and the orchestral version of nature's law lovely choice i love that record you've really hit the nail on the head with my music taste this week thank you seti lovely voice danny mcnamara he's um on his, his Tumblr account, written very powerfully about his uh, mental health issues, much well worth reading and seeking out to get an understanding not only of uh, his uh, journey, to use a cliche, but also um, a greater understanding about uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and um, sort of general anxiety. A lovely chat by by all accounts. Mm, well, that's 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 yeah. I I I know I know one of the members of Embrace, of Embrace a little bit online, and I've never seen him say anything mm. bad about about the rest of the band. They seem like a genuinely lovely mm. group of blokes. Um, he posted a picture. I must try and find it at some point, which is lovely. Of of I can't remember if it was if it was. I think it was someone's birthday in the studio when they were recording an album, and there was this lovely picture of all of Embrace in a control room, all busily doing things. It was so nice, and that they were clearly concentrating very hard but they were all wearing paper party hats to celebrate <laughs> the fact that it was somebody's birthday. And I thought, oh, I think this is a nice group of people. That, and and, and it's, it's been a fairly sort of static lineup as well. I think, isn't Danny McNamara's brother Richard in the band? Yeah, yeah both, like, both there from the beginning, still there now. Family yeah. bands, I think, mm. always stay together. Well, it'd be interesting to see if so, well, maybe we could talk about this in a, in a, a looking mm about it in, in another week but if there are is there if there's a family tie in a band that really does seem to keep it together unless for, you're called uh, liam or noel that, that, yes that, that, i know i know that and you know that's the black swan in this hypothesis yes. know, but but yeah it's 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 interesting to see if that is what kind of you know people have to try and make it work unless you are the gallagher brothers and you well but then having said that you could say you either have to make it work or you have to make it not work in a way that generates thousands of, of lines of new pa- newspaper coverage, magazine coverage and sales, but still keeps the band together. And they were very good at the first thing, but not yeah. very good at the second thing. But yes, I, I agree. Embrace are a lovely band mm. who are often dismissed for not being very cool. But actually, I think they make lovely music and uh, I'm always a bit of a defender of Embrace. So, so yes, I'm a, I am embracing Embrace. I've already mentioned before to the uh, extent of, of, of boring people that I'm not a big yeah, fan of how could that possibly be? Of course, you're right. Yeah, it's, it's impossible. I'm not a big fan of uh, Facebook and I've always been wary of accepting friend requests from people I don't really know. But a few years, which you happily did a few years ago, and now here we are. <laughs> Indeed, well, there we are. So maybe I should change change my view. But a few years ago, I received um, a friend request from a, a mature woman who seemed normal, and I accepted her request. And she sent me a couple of friendly messages. Her name was Judy Dybel, oh. and I say was because sadly she died a few days ago. Judy was a founding member of Fairport Convention, but our connection was that she remembered I had managed a tour that she did after she left Fairport. And to my shame, I'd forgotten all about it. Um, she was really lovely and um, reminded me about um, sort of uh, early to mid-70s when, when we worked together. But one of the aspects of Judy's life was that in the mid-1970s, she gave up her music career completely and became a librarian and concentrated on being a mother and indeed a, a, a wife and didn't 
return to music until the last couple of years. And it all set me thinking about this prioritizing it's not unique when I, I went to see holly and the italians at the nashville rooms with Vil, viv albertine in the late 70s i would never having known her then never have anticipated that she would follow the same route as uh, judy dibel by giving up music for home life and a child and although bush has never really fully walked away from music several of the big gaps between new music have at least in part been because she wanted to concentrate on bringing up young Bertie but is there a gender issue here George or is it simply and perhaps controversially that women have a greater instinct to walk away at least for a while from a musical or, or, or artistic career well, it's interesting that isn't it I mean I'm I'm not sure what the answer is but that doesn't really help the production of this podcast very much so let's try and see if I can I can work out interesting that you say that you that you obviously knew, knew Viv Albertine mm-hmm. I knew who she was through a little bit as well but I said knew who she was I I, I I sort of had a brief not exactly a personal connection but she lived in Hastings she did for, live up the road from you didn't yes, she yeah for quite a while and I went I used to go to an open mic night this would have been about 12 years ago for a couple of years about to the 12 or 13 years ago and I lived just around the corner so I would literally st- sort of stumble around and, and and play with whoever was there and there was a very nice woman who sat with her family and I did a few covers I did I think I did Rocking All Over the World by Status Quo and Spirit in the Sky by Norman Greenbaum some ridiculous things and she sort of we spoke briefly at the at the, the bar afterwards and she sort of said she enjoyed my soul and she said I enjoyed your playing thank you and I said oh no thank you very much and then she got up and did something rather sort of whimsical I think about about fairies or something and and she was introduced as Vivian and she sort of come over and I said that I that I enjoyed her as well and she sort of said goodbye to me as she left and as she left and, and gone someone went you know who that was weren't you don't you and I went I don't know just some, some nice lady called Vivian they went Albertine from the slits and of course at which point I then almost passed out um mm. and you know obviously had I known she was with Albertine I, I might have you know I might have had a different conversation but she so so and at that point she had you know she, I think one I think one of her kids might have been there actually and and and, and you know she just seemed like some quite nice middle class mum if you see what I mean and so, so it is strange that the that, that, that there is that metamorphosis that happens uh, to some extent it is and I, I I don't want to sound like someone who's waving a placard at this point, but at, at this point, but to some extent it is the the patriarchy and the way that society is is traditionally structured. And although things have moved on a lot, there is still that base value system that it is has traditionally and is still to some extent. There's been some some research done about during lockdown how actually women's equality in some sense has got has gone backwards in that the caring the caring responsibilities still land on women whilst women are trying to do that and work from home as well so so to some extent i think it is it is a fault in how society and social values still are no matter how much progress we've made maybe there is an element like you say of, of women naturally moving towards being being sort of more carers I don't know I certainly think in terms of if we're going to go back to the music industry and how and, and sort of patriarchal structures 
what's what someone said to me once um men mature and women get old i think i think <laughs> women are not uh, women are not allowed to age so so there is less tolerance of women aging i think that's certainly true in the hollywood film industry and and and, and you know the, there's been lots of talk about that and that was one of the things that the weinstein stuff th- sort of sh- shone a light on but so so i so i think that that to some extent uh, it almost feels like and and maybe it's because women might pop off to have children i don't know but there is something about the fact and i was talking to someone about this the other day the fact that that women rock stars we know them when they're when they're sort of you know young and, and and first become known and become famous and known for their work and that sort of thing and then in some cases we encounter them again when they're elder states women of rock so we see people like patty smith you know still selling records and selling well and 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 you know kate bush as well obviously and, and people like that mm. what we don't see that much of women seem to disappear for a bit and i think you're right in in that you know to the we should think about why that is but it's almost like women are allowed to be old and revered and respected or allowed to be young and exciting but there aren't many middle-aged women i mean it's 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 really mm-hmm. strange it's interesting and, and i've also been watching radio one with interest at the moment and seeing three female presenters leave in as many months who mm. are all upsettingly for me because I think I'm still a whippersnapper um in their sort of mid to late 30s you know not beginning to get near to 40 and who are saying look I can't do early breakfast anymore I'm too tired and 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 it's it's interesting that even if you even if that one case in particular Dottie I've heard her talk about um They've got a, a a small child. She and her partner have a child who is, you know, maybe about sort of five or six, I think. Mm-hmm. And as a result of which, or no, he's younger than that. I think he's about three. As a result of which, she's been doing sort of breakfast for the last four or five years, particularly presumably when their child was very, you know, was being born and was then very small. And it seems like it seems like things it still falls to women if you see what I mean. It, I do. Yes. I, I, and I and I think even if women do want to balance things. There seems to be, you know, the industry had the music industry, the rock music industry has traditionally been really macho. And I think that that it is less is always been less tailored to the idea that that people might not want to go out drinking every night. People might not want to be a rock star cliche. People might have things to them other than playing music. So so it's it's hard to unpick, isn't it? But I, I do think that whilst things are changing, patriarchal structures still mean that that all this caring stuff does tend to fall to women and because of the way that the industry is still quite male dominated it's it's easier now you can record at home I think I think that has improved some things and actually the 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 singer Laura Veers who I like very much has a very interesting podcast called Mother Maker where she talks to other female singer-songwriters and musicians in her position about how they balance things so actually i'd recommend that as a sort of a of a jumping off point from this but yeah like you say it is very noticeable and telling that women go missing in the music industry and in other industries as well in in a way that men do not yeah i was uh, the only male equivalent i could think of and then 
ultimately dismissed was John Lennon, who said he said he was a house husband between 1975 to 80. But reading some of Yoko's memories and people who worked (laughs) for them in the Dakota building, I think it's more possible that Yoko took over business management while John lolled about on a sofa. That's plausible from what Yeah, echoing his time on St. George's Hill with Cynthia a a decade uh, before. But maybe maternity or paternity leave would work quite well if you're in a band because I was thinking imagine if Coldplay or Little Mix advertised for a stand-in while one of the members took leave like so so you could have Taylor Swift sitting in with Little Mix for six months or Harry Styles uh, temporarily joins Coldplay Coldplay, it could be a winner really nice idea I think that's lovely and actually I suppose that when I talk about how structured society is structured generally I think that actually, you know, looking at how Parliament works, which is where our laws are made. I know that people knock politicians, but it is a huge part of our society, Parliament. That That's where everything's meant to happen and stem from. Um, so the um, MP Stella Creasy, for the first time ever, well, put it this way, Yvette Cooper was the first ever minister to take maternity leave. And that was in the early 2000s. And I think the civil service were pretty horrified at that point. Uh-huh. Uh, Stella Creasy, the first MP, she had she and her baby were in the chamber together the other day, which was very sweet. She gave a speech whilst a small child was crawling up her, which was actually lovely. It was nice to see in the place where laws are made the struggles that lots of women are going through at the moment and lots of parents, but particularly women, I think, are reflected. But she advertised and managed to get IPSA, the, the Parliamentary Authority, Standards Authority, eventually on board. She had a locum MP in place for her when well, she I was never. when I she was, yeah she did she had a mater- I can't remember how long they were in place for but it was another woman I think but she advertised it and said and I saw the advert on the on the work for MP or whatever it is website and said you know you have to have casework experience these are my staff mm-hmm. you have to work with and and you feel like saying well if this is so difficult and behind in the place that makes our laws is it really surprising that, that all other industries are are you know not great on, on on this sort of thing so i love your idea of locum rock stars as well as locum mm-hmm. mps you know i'm willing to put my name in the hat to be in well mm-hmm. perhaps not little mix because they jump around quite a lot don't they but yeah, if there's, yeah. if there's a if there's a sit is it there's a more sitting based sedentary band um i don't know if uh, if uh, one of heim wants to have some time off then i'm more than i'm more than willing to to step up i i love your eye what band would you locum in Terence if you had the choice um hmm, let me think well I think I'd be I mean if one direction came back together I'd be an obvious choice you'd be a shoo-in I think yeah. I mean I, I feel that sartorially I mean you're the only person I know that has more clothes than Harry Styles so That's so true. I think I think you know I think you're you're in I just just make sure you've got a linen suit and a very flowery shirt and then I think you're a style a genuine style icon Harry Styles who I do really like no I I love your idea of Logan Rockstars and indeed of you being in one direction I I Ten who are celebrating their ten year anniversary, or rather, fans yes. are celebrating ten year anniversary this week. What better time to uh, to bring you in? I, I think it's uh, a career change that's been waiting for me all my life, frankly. I, I, well, even before one, di- when mm. one direction was just a twinkle in Simon Cowell's eye. Yes. Thanks as always for joining us this week. Really appreciate it. I I, I, uh, I second that emotion very much. (laughs) And thanks also to Hilly and Rona for their help. Ditto, yes, likewise. Now, inevitably, many people will be saying, if only I could hear more from that lovely Juliet Harris. (laughs) Well, you. you have some good news for such people. 
Have I got news for you in Block Capitals? I have. Yes, I'm back on Mixer doing my funny little radio shows that some people seem to like, and that is nice. Um, so if you go on to Mixler.com, which is M-I-X-L-R, because people do insist on taking E's out of things nowadays, um, and then search for my name, you can follow me on there, and that tells you when I'm going live. But I, I, I for people that like to plan, I'm on, on Saturday evening from 5 until 7, doing the Saturday Social, which is Northern Soul, Mod, um, Motown, etc. And on Sunday evening, from seven to nine i do something called smooth sailing which is easy listening yacht rock mor stuff that you might not necessarily have the public conversation about liking but 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 you know is 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 just sort of nice uplifting tunes for for uh, firstly a sunday night which are always odd homework night is always strange no matter what age you are but also these these odd times that we find ourselves in generally so uh, so i'm always welcoming of new people and there's a nice little chat room in which people are quite nice and and yeah it's, it's just a fun thing to do so if that sounds like your sort of thing why not join in now it seems to me jules that we could do with some latin boogaloo <laughs> it seems to me that you lived your life like a latin boogaloo <laughs> in the wind yes indeed i am um, i'm not going to continue with that frankly reckless uh rewriting of elton john and bernie talking the classic but yes i um, i heard this on the radio earlier this uh, i can't remember if it's earlier this week or last week it might have been earlier this week actually everything seems to go on for so long at the moment could have been monday could have been february who knows frankly but um but yes i heard this and i've had a lovely boogaloo week thank you for bringing that word into the conversation um this is uh songs to sort of cheer, even if you haven't got any sound where you are songs to make us all feel a bit sunny this is pete rodriguez and i like it like that here and now let's get this straight
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. Oh, I had to make a dive for my pen there before it oh, fell off. That clonk at the did end. You heard a clonk. Like, I that did. Was... I think I did a dung, and I thought, oh gosh, has has Terence expended all of his energy on the podcast? Good lord, no, it, it was a fantastic, like in the slips um, at Lords, oh, uh, the gosh, the red yes. pen was just rolling off, and I gr- grabbed it, but in doing so, clonked the edge of the desk. Oh.